0: te hui, o te hui This week, on the hui. The psychology of sport isn't new.
1: The system sets them up to really experience some lofty heights, but then, of course, fall really hard.
0: But could Māori concepts in this space be a game changer? Um, why? Because it works. And we talk poverty, people and politics with former Te Tai Tokerau MP Ho ne Harawira. Plus, from his nan's kitchen to the world, we meet the guy from
2: Whanganui who is making Rewana Bread mainstream. Finally, Rewana Bread got its recognition.
0: e por proba aqui te ne ma ko ka ta ki na tu rata ma to ite mate o te wa haramai haire to tau e fako ru pa mai ne rata ma ki te hine ngaro ta ngata o rata si he wa mai ora and welcome back to the hui for rising sports stars, managing pressure both on and off the field or court is a steep learning curve. Injuries, missing out on selection and the everyday demands of life all take their toll. But an innovative approach to sports psychology weaving in mātauranga Māori is giving Māori sports stars a boost. Mea te pūrongo, Amelia Johnson. <laughs>
3: You can be at the top one
4: minute. what a start for her.
3: And the next, you're out. It's like a lot of denial, a lot of how come.
5: Always fighting to keep your place.
1: You'll feel like it's the end of the world.
5: There's very few jobs that every day you've been asked to be better.
3: Week training. The pulse are being put through their paces. (laughs) National selection is coming up. (laughs) And 22 year old Tiana Mirtuoro is hungry for a place. As a schoolgirl, Tiana was already representing New Zealand, ending her first season of elite netball, winning the first ever World Youth Cup. skills on the court earned her a place in the silver ferns in 2021.
4: A stunning shooting from Tiana Maturdo,
3: Where she was selected most valuable player in her international debut against England. It seemed Tiana could do no wrong. But then she was dropped. How did you
6: deal with that time? I was just crying and I just was so disappointed. It does suck. If it had to be the equivalent to anything, it's probably, I don't know, maybe getting fired from a job.
1: It's the system that sets them up to really experience some lofty heights, but then, of course, um, fall really hard.
3: Mental skills coach Luke Rowe.
1: That's because of the way that the system is set up.
3: Players are getting discovered younger. Is that creating an environment which is putting players at risk?
1: Short answer yes. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. It just means that we need to, we as the system need to be smarter about how we then wrap better supports around those athletes.
3: This is where Luke comes in.
6: I think that'll be really helpful. If I'm having a bit of a rough time, he listens and he always has these Maori philosophies, which I really value because I understand them. What he brings is something unique. What's different? I find like a lot of comfort, this sense of comfort, because there's just this kind of unspoken understanding that we understand each other with our values.
3: What's the more traditional high performance approach?
1: Get fit and perform. It's quite a narrow pathway to high performance. Whereas my belief that there are multiple pathways to high performance, especially for Māori. Kia <laughs> tu so that we can get good prediction.
3: Māori is woven into his practice. Uh,
4: why?
1: Because it works. And secondly, it's for me about creating spaces for Māori Pacifica to operate within, which should be the predominant <laughs> culture or language of that space. The people in those environments are largely brown but the way that it looks from the outside is still monocultural. So there's something fundamentally wrong about that picture and we need to change that.
3: Super rugby team, the Hurricanes, have also locked in to Luke's expertise.
1: I start with our usual custom and protocols of fuck a quarter and getting to know a lot of the boys and for them to get to know me and who I am, where I come from, where I grew up.
3: Pūrākau, or Māori narratives, build team identity and help reframe mental or physical challenges.
1: But The pūrākau concept is not a new thing for Māori and how it's applied in the health context is evolving and it's growing and it's um, gaining some real momentum.
3: The hurricane's haka, composed by Luke.
1: The haka that we've got does that, it allows for some of those conversations around equity, racism, colonisation, all those sorts of really important historical stories.
3: It evokes the strength and force of Tāwhiri Mafia.
1: It also reminds us of the gift that Tāwhiri gave to human crime, which is around our respiratory system. Which then means that you can have a different conversation, particularly with our Māori athletes, around fitness and strength and conditioning it isn't just about getting physically fit, but it's actually an opportunity to engage with your atua.
3: Other times, his advice for players is simple.
1: There's one fakatoki that probably encapsulates it. But, essentially, it's about going home and cleansing your soul, replenishing yourself, so that you can come back and get in the game again or get in the fight again.
6: I went and saw him, and he just kind of said to me, well, before last else maybe you should go home for a little bit, and so home being Whangara, where my mum's from. And mum, of course, is netball legend Waimarama I saw my family, I came back really refreshed, and I think, People probably don't understand the value that it has for us as Māori because we, when we think of home, we think of our oa, we think of our maunga, we think of our marae and our people, our community. And coming from Whangara, just a 200 metre strip of just speed bumps and not much, but a beautiful beach and our community and history and my family, that brought me back to earth a little bit and kind of um, just showed me that netball wasn't the be-all end-all.
1: Being able to separate out um, your identity uh, from what you do, um, is crucial. Am I a shit player? Does that mean I'm a shit person? And the challenge we have is that it's all sort of being integrated into the same thing.
5: Oh,
6: Yvette, she's so unique in the way that she deals with that stuff. Similar to my mum, they know exactly what to
5: say and how to how to help. One of the pieces that I've always really valued is the ability for us to infuse And so, for me, knowing that Luke was here, when you're working from a mental skills perspective, to have that other layer of connection is amazing.
3: For high-performance coach Yvette mccausland Jury, wrapping support around young players is vital.
5: I think in high-performance, it's really about the ability to manage yourself from a social media perspective, reading things about yourself and not taking yourself either too seriously you'll be getting incredibly frustrated about you know how you may be perceived and staying really true to what you're about as an individual so I think they are really key balances and for a lot of young people they haven't necessarily had other jobs or other activities in their lives, so just thinking about you know how they develop resilience, how they develop the ability to just evolve as people and players um, through their journey as professional sports people.
1: If you look at rugby, for instance, nowadays, you've got cameras exposing our kids at a first 15 level, so they need to make sure that they're, you know, looking good and performing good, because it's gonna have an impact on their livelihoods and their ability to secure contracts. They're going straight from college into professional rugby, so they're jumping a few of those really important milestones in life. And so we need to find other ways then of trying to sort of ensure that they are remaining grounded.
6: I'm in a better headspace now. And I think the beauty in this is that I've taught myself and I've learnt from different people throughout this journey that I am capable and that I can pull myself out of situations that aren't so comfortable. I am young, although I do hate when people say your time will come because I believe that it's now.
1: They're competitive by nature. They're they're warriors for some of them, so they want to go to the edge. That's what makes them who they are. So, we need to go there with them when they do go to those edges.
0: He's back. On the hui, anyway. Hone Harawira joins us live from Kaitaia after this. Our next guest is involved in health education, employment, housing, and just about everything else you can think of in the far north, Tehiku Otehika, a former MP and political party leader who better to help examine the issues than former MP for Tata hone Hon Kia ora, Jules. Thank you so much for your time. Let's start with one of the big issues of the time, health. Now, you are the CEO of a not-for-profit trust, ANT Trust, that has established a new all Māori health clinic. Why have you done that? For the very simple reason that in Muri
7: we now have more than 3,000 people who haven't got a doctor. So somebody had to try and do something. Uh, we're not the be-all and end-all. We've got you know, an excellent uh, haura Māori up here haura Tehiku, te heku, but they've been overwhelmed for years. Um, we've got another really positive community clinic up in Te Kau, uh, Whakawhiti Ora Pai, run by Errol Murray. Um, we're just fitting in there, but in less than a week, more than 200 people have enrolled. So we know we're going to get rolled over. We need... Uh, the system to be more open to innovative opportunities that we've picked up here and others can pick up to help provide
0: health services for our people. Hone, is this a symptom of Te Aka Whaiora, a success factor of Te Aka helping locally-led initiatives to be established or is this a symptom of a failed national health system that Te Aka Whaiora contributes to?
7: Uh, I think I think it's a system of a, of the symptomatic of a failed national health system. Takafa order is still trying to find their feet. We're getting uh, real good support from people within Takafa order. We are actually getting blocked by the people on the Parkia side who are doing their best to try and deny us access to the funding to keep our clinic alive. And we've only been going for a week. So we've asked uh, Takafa order to step across the lane to Fatu order Give somebody a clip around the ears and say, hey, come on. It's people's health that's the major issue here, not petty little questions that mean nothing.
0: Is there a combined collaborative approach between the different practices in Murifenua and Tehiko Teikohone? Or is it a case of everyone just having to try and survive day by day here?
7: Oh, I think, first of all, we haven't really been party to all of those discussions because we're just new to the game, but now that we're in the game, Adrian Marston, who's the manager of Te Whare Oranga, uh plans to meet with uh, Haura, O Te Hiku and uh, Whakawhiti Orapai mm. so that they can start establishing some standards by which they can work together, I hope, and uh, do the best job we can for our people and for and for everybody else living up here. I mean, not just mildly suffering. When you've got 3,000, you know... Uh, all kinds of people. When I left the opening the other day, uh, Tuesday lunchtime, I went home, stopped in to pick up some kai at the local four square store, and uh, one of the guys there, Indian fellow, he was he was a bit shy to ask, but he asked, he, he hasn't had a doctor for three years. I said, go and mate, go in and say Hone, how Hutter would have sent you, register, because people are desperate for a doctor.
0: Okay, I also want to talk about education. What we're trying now- to
7: do here, though, I've got to say. I've got to say, Jules, is no. not just provide a clinic. We want to use this as an opportunity to open our people's minds to other ways of looking at health, in terms of long, and Māori, in terms of uh, midi midi, in terms of uh, health, in terms of diet, Come on. in terms of smoking, and, and try and address their health by getting them to take control of their own well-being, by improving their diet, changing some of their habits... And becoming better role models for their children in the years ahead. But I mean,
0: people up here are struggling in many, many ways. So, so let's talk about the struggle. Um, because w- the, you obviously talk about health here, we've got education. You, know, you and Hilda have been a part of the Kurakopapa Farekurao when you were celebrated its 30th anniversary recently. So do issues like stop co governance? and the messages of people like Winston Peters and Shane Jones who are focused on wokeness. (laughs) I mean, when you hear that kind of rhetoric happening at the moment across the nation, what do you think?
7: Oh, I mean, fighting for the real has nothing to do with being woke. Fighting for equity has nothing to do with being woke. Fighting for the opportunity for our kids to become positive members of the wider society is not woke, it in fact lifts the standards by which the whole of our society can operate if Māori people are full partners in that. This woke crap that's drifted in from America is not something that we pay any heed to. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a pathway Winston's chosen because him and David Seymour Ngati Wai, Ngati Rehi, are fighting one another to try and get into Parliament and I think I don't know that Shane necessarily, necessarily believes it all but uh, he has to if he wants to get in on uh, Winston's coattails but right now the issue an education is that Parker education has been failing not just Māori but New Zealand kids for more than uh, 200 years um, and they are still getting funded billions of dollars Kura Kaupapa have only been around for just over 30 years, we are expected to operate at the same level of resourcing as Parkhead schools. We need to have quality resources and support for those with quality teachers and quality support principals. As a classic example, Mm. Kuru Kaupapa uh, principals need to have a break uh, at least uh, one term a year because of the pressure that's on them to try and cope within a system where they're surrounded by mainstream schools, all of which are fully funded, um, and kura kaupapa have to try to lift their children from below the zero line to a point where they can be uh, participating in mainstream society. So it's tough for kura, Mm. and the resourcing needs to be changed to ensure that Māori can be lifted to the right kinds of
0: levels in our society. What have you made of Julian Batchelor and the crew who are going round the country at the moment, and yes, there has been some protestation from Māori and iwi and Hapu and whānau, but of the Stop Co-Governance tour, and I note with irony that there isn't a planned visit in Kaitai or indeed in the far north, but what do you, Hone Harawira, make of that tour, which has generated a lot of interest and is a key election issue?
7: Oh, you know, this sort of stuff goes all the way back to Colin Ansel and, uh, and the Nazi Party. Um, you know, Don Brash and all, all of the kinds of ideas that he used to promote, racist views about Māori, and they all tend to ramp up just before an election, uh, kick the gangs to death. Uh, Māori have, are getting too much. I'm are saying all of that sort of stuff. Māori are getting too much. The Prime Minister announces just this very morning he wants to spend $45 billion on uh, two or three tunnels. And while our health is in a crisis situation, our education is in a crisis situation, not just Māori, the nation. Uh, our housing is in a crisis situation and he wants to spend $45 billion on two or three tunnels? Mate, I mean, let's get serious about what's, uh, what's the most appropriate ways to spend money for the benefit of all New Zealanders. One of them is to focus on lifting Māori because as Māori rise, the whole mm. of society rises.
0: Hone, koe. I know we were hoping to get you in the studio today and couldn't get there, so I really appreciate you joining us live from Kaitaia. Kia tau ki tanga kirunga ki a koe te whamere. Tēnā koe. Kia ora maira. Kia ito tonu maira e tewi. That was hōne harawira after the break. Taking rewana bread to the world. Warming willful wolf downers all the way from Fanganui. Kia ora mai Once a staple food with whānau, making traditional rewana bread these days is a dying craft. But Whanganui is having something of a rewana resurgence, thanks to a baker using a starter bug preserved and handed down through his whānau for generations. And as our reporter Rani Pereira discovers, what began as a story about Whakapapa is now putting rewana on the world map.
4: Matauranga and memories, the special ingredients baked into each one of these loaves of bread.
2: It's a reminder of Nanya.
4: George Jackson's rewana, a family recipe dating back more than 170
5: years. As a family, we're really proud and grateful to continue that legacy of our grandmother.
2: It's just kind of a journey that I'm on piecing bits and pieces together of the history of it. It's a fascinating story.
4: We meet the man on a mission to make Māori bread mainstream. George has gone from having a concept about making it at home for his family, and he's moved it and said, I want other people to try this. George Jackson's nan, Patricia Jackson, was renowned for the rewana bread she'd make in this camp oven.
2: It was just always there, part of the furniture, really, and it was delicious.
4: Baking bread was very much part and parcel of his childhood, growing up with his grandparents.
2: She's up at four in the morning, having a piece of her freshly made rewana bread with her cup of tea and jam and butter. and
4: Very special. Very special, yeah. He missed her so much, George set about to recreate his nan's rewana recipe 12 years ago.
2: And I started getting obsessed with it and making the bread for my kids, so they would grow up like I did with it.
4: So when did you realise that you could make a living out of this?
2: Basically, when I had friends just just asking if they could bake me a big round one, and then I found that I was doing one or two a week, sometimes three. And then I thought, well, there's something in this. Yeah, I'm kind of starting to make a a little small living
4: now. As demand for his bread grew, George opened a retail shop two years ago, where he also bakes on site. This is certainly a labour of love. The entire bread-making process takes around 16 hours, each stage requiring care and attention.
2: It's really important to get the balance of the sugar and the salt and the flour right.
4: While most bread uses yeast to make it rise, Māori potato bread requires a bug or starter. This batter-like mixture has an active bacteria that helps raise the dough.
2: We get the paddle and we give the bug a stir to combine the flour and the potato water together, and we're yeah, bringing it all together as one dough.
4: Getting the chemistry just right is crucial and has taken George time to perfect.
2: The hardest thing, which up to this day is still a learning curve, is the bug dynamic getting it to perform 100%. If I stuff it up, it can stuff up everything.
4: The starter can last for years, and George's bug dates back to the 1840s, lovingly preserved and passed down through his whanau.
2: My cousin had the actual true bug from of Nan's, and I acquired it from him, and I went from there. Yeah. Knowing that it's her actual bug,
4: Reviving the Jackson's rewana recipe is now putting Whanganui on the world map. It was more than just him making up bread. It was the story that went back when his family got given the starter by an Irish chef uh, on a boat that came to Wellington, and they were able to keep that starter going for all the generations. Colleen Sheldon is part of Whanganui and Partners, who promote businesses in the city they put Georgia's name forward for UNESCO's Creative Cities of the World programme, which highlights the cultural importance of bread as a basic staple food that brings a community together.
2: Yeah, I, I was really stoked because, finally, when a bread got its recognition.
4: But what matters most to George is seeing the delight in the faces of those closest to him, sharing memories of his Nan with his 95-year-old cook, or Sid Jackson, are special oh, times to savour.
2: Did you eat the bread much when Nan made it? I What did you have on yours? Butter.
5: Just (laughs) As a family, we're proud to be Jacksons, and the fact that he's carrying it on is quite significant for us, and the pride is immense, continuing something that was special to us as grandchildren.
4: That dedication to honour his family name sees George baking through the night. Finally, in the early hours of the morning, George has one last check to make sure the rewana is ready.
2: We give it a bang on it lightly and we listen for a hollow sound or a crack in the bread, which says it's ready.
4: After cooling down, it's sliced and packaged, ready for sale. The strong sales are evidence that George is onto a winner. On average, he pumps out about 120 loaves a week, and continuing the Farno story behind the bread, has now trained two of his cousins who work there part-time. George has gone from making it at home for his family, and he's moved it and said, I want other people to be part of this story, to bring back their memories.
2: Because I'm passionate about this bread, of just wanting to get it out there to Whanganui first, everywhere
0: else next. Mā whanganui ki te ao whanui. Kia kahaewa, hei wiki Coming up next week on The Hui. They're the jewels of the Te Arawa Lakes region. I grew up on these lakes. It recharges me when I come back here. But after record rainfall, these lakes are reaching a tipping point.
2: What can we do, you know? It's just mother nature. But is it time to let
0: nature run
2: its course? I don't think that we can continuously engineer our way out of climate change. That is us
0: for this week. Join us next week for more goodness from the hui. You can find all our stories on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and of course on newshub.co.nz. Kia mau. Ki te o hui ta ate punna faka
5: tonga rewa te hui itau toko